Luke chapter 6, verse number 12. Everybody there? Amen. It says, And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was, when it was day, he called unto him his disciples, and of them he chose twelve, whom also he named apostles. Simon, who he also named Peter, and Andrew his brother, and James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon called Zelotus, and Judas the brother of James, and Judas Iscariot, which was also the traitor. And he came down with them and stood in the plain, in the company of his disciples, and a great multitude of people out of Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And they were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed. And they that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for there went out virtue, or there went virtue out of him and healed them all. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed be ye poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are ye that hunger now, for we, ye shall be filled. Blessed are ye that weep now, for ye shall laugh. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company, and shall reproach you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice ye in that day, and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. But woe unto you that are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe unto you that are full, for you shall hunger. Woe unto you that laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe unto you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again for this evening. Lord, thank you, Lord, for letting us come back to church tonight. Lord, thank you for what you're doing in the hearts and lives of the people here at South Haven Baptist Church. Lord, we thank you for uh, the visitors that we have uh, tonight, Lord, we had this morning. Lord, thank you, Lord, for the drawing power of the Holy Spirit, Lord. And we just ask you, Lord, tonight you'd help those that are on the road and will be. God, in these next few days, Lord, keep them safe, get them home safely. We pray, Lord, tonight that you'd be with Miss Rebecca and her family. Lord, comfort them, and God, give them that grace, God, that, that is sufficient for every need. Lord, that peace that passes understanding. I just ask you, Lord, you'd wrap your arms around them, Lord, and just love on them only as you can tonight. We pray, Lord, this evening, God, that you'd help us from the word of God. God, take us and give us eternal truths tonight. God, that don't just sound good, but God, we can apply them to our everyday life. I ask you, Lord, tonight that you help me behind the cross of Calvary. God, would you get me out of myself, Lord, and fill me with your spirit. And God, would you make preaching, God, what you designed and desired to be this evening. Lord, I just want to be a mouthpiece. just want to give glory unto your name. Lord, thank you for Calvary. Thank you for a risen Savior. God, thank you for Bethlehem. Thank you for a virgin birth. We thank you, Lord, that you're absolutely 100%, completely and totally perfect tonight. We thank you, Lord, that you love us and you care for us. We ask you, Lord, you just help us one more time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Uh, we've been studying those relationships and we've been reading through the book of Luke as a family. And it's just like chapter number six, it was one thing after another uh, has been just hopping off the page to me and just well, truth after truth and help after help just in my personal life and different things that you know I go through as, as just an average everyday Christian. I've been a help to. And here's something I found interesting about the book of Luke. There's a lot of thinking and there's a lot of pondering going on in the book of Luke. You go in Luke chapter two and you'll find Mary says he kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And you keep reading down, there's all, multiple times where people stepped back and they thought about or they pondered about what they had just seen, what had just happened to them 
or what they had just heard. And, and I, there's probably a good study in that, uh, to go study out all what was thought about in the book of Luke. But tonight we see this account, and really it's, it's a rather familiar portion of Scripture if you know the Bible. Uh, this is what we would call the Sermon on the Mount. This is uh, Luke's uh, rendition, Luke's observation of the Sermon on the Mount. We've studied it together as a church, I think sometime a few years ago. We went through the Sermon on the Mount and the, most, most scholars said the greatest sermon that Jesus ever preached, not just Jesus ever preached, that was ever preached on planet Earth. And, and I don't beg to differ with them tonight, but I always enjoy the, the Emmaus disciples walking home after Calvary because there was Jesus who was the greatest preacher to ever live preaching about himself. So he's preaching about the greatest subject that could ever be preached to and he's just preaching it to two people. How many glad tonight that yes, we, we like to have a full church and we like to have a, a good congregation but I'm glad tonight that God is willing to meet me where I am. I'm glad that the Lord knows where 2494 Patilla Road is. I'm glad he knows where my living room is. I'm glad he knows where my couch is. I'm glad that he knows when to show up and he knows when to be there, when there's nobody else around, when there's nobody else near. I'm glad he knows how to ride down the road with me. I'm glad he knows how to walk in life with me. I'm glad that he knows where I am tonight. But he preached there to those Emmaus disciples. But here, he begins to preach the Sermon on the Mount. And, and we know what was about, we, we've read a few of the Beatitudes tonight is what they've labeled them. But as I was reading through this, I seen that there was a change of location. There was a geographical change that Jesus takes place with his disciples. Verse number 12 tells us that Jesus had went up into a mountain to pray and he continued all night in prayer to go. Imagine what that sounds. Imagine what, if, if I could, if we talked about it in Sunday school with the young kids. Boy, if I could invent a time machine. There's some places I would like to go back to. I'd like to be there that night and just hear God pray to God. <laughs> could you imagine the, the communion and the conversation between God the Son and God the Father talking about how much they love each other and how much they care for one another. And it lasted all night long. I do believe that's probably a prayer meeting I probably would have stayed up for just to listen to. But the reality is he was probably praying for you and me. Praying for what he was about to do for us. How he was about to die for us. And we see they're on the mountaintop. And so many people, myself included, I want the mountaintop experience. I want to get up and, 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 and go to the mountaintop and enjoy the goodness of the mountaintop and enjoy the praise and the worship that takes place on the mountaintop. And I'd like to say thank God for the mountaintop experiences in my life and thank God for the mountaintop experiences of our Bible tonight. But can I say, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to discourage you, I'm not trying to depress you tonight, but the mountaintop experience is not the only place the Christian lives. It is not the only experience of the Christian life. And we see here tonight that Jesus himself didn't even stay on the mountaintop for his entire ministry. Luke chapter number nine, the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus, Peter, James, and John make their way to the top of the mountain and there Jesus is transformed into his glorified self and Peter sees it, James sees it, John sees it and Peter comes up with the idea, hey, let's build some tents and some tabernacles. Let's hang out on the mountaintop. Let's live here. And the Bible said when he was saying that, he had no idea what he was saying. And God said, no, just listen to Jesus. 
Listen to my son in whom I'm well pleased. You read the rest of Luke chapter number nine, they came down from the mountain. Calvary was on a mountain. Thank God for Mount Calvary. Thank God for a savior who was willing to lay down his life to hang on a cross outside of Jerusalem to die for you and I said, but how many glad tonight he didn't stay on the cross? See, tonight if he had just died on the cross of Calvary, our sins would have been paid for, but we would have no way to receive that transaction, would have no way to receive that payment and that redemption because dead men don't give out gifts, dead men don't do things, dead men are dead, but thanks be to God, yes, he was on the mountaintop, but thanks be to God, they put him in the tomb. On the third day, he walked out all by himself, and if he's alive tonight, he can give to you salvation this evening. Oh, I'm glad tonight I serve a risen Savior. Preacher, it's not Easter, it's Christmas. I'm still glad I serve a risen Savior, amen. But I'm glad he came down. Can I say tonight, at some point in your Christian life, you're gonna have to walk down from the mountain. You're gonna have to walk down from the mountaintop. And so many times when we hear that and we think about that, we instantly become discouraged. We come depressed. We become like, oh, I don't want to, Lord. I want to stay on the mountaintop. But can I encourage you tonight that you don't have to look at your valley through the eyes of discouragement and through the eyes of depression tonight, but you can look at your valley through the eyes of purpose. God has a valley. And not just that he has a valley, but he has a reason for the valley in my life. I want to preach on this thought tonight just for a little bit. What to do when you're coming down the mountain? What to do when you're coming down the mountain? Every Christian can find the purpose and the reason of why God is bringing them down the mountain. You read Luke uh, 6, 12, and 13. He talks about those men that he has named his disciples, and it's not their idea to come down the mountain. It's not their plan. All right, Jesus, we gotta keep going. We got a plan to carry out here. Oh, God himself says it's time to go down, boys. But notice here tonight in verse number 17. The Bible said he came down with them and stood in the plain. I read that, did a little bit of study on that, and one man says that when he came down the mountain where he was, that there was a small plateau right before you get down into the valley. And Jesus stops there to the plain and there's a multitude of people around him wanting to be healed, wanting to be helped. But here's what I noticed tonight, that he doesn't go all the way down in the valley and teach this lesson, but rather he stops there on the plain with his disciples and he says, fellas, before we go all the way down, there's some things I need to tell you while we're coming down the mountain, headed to the valley. I believe every Christian can find the purpose for their valley by remembering the following truths tonight. Notice number one, we must remember reality. We must remember reality. Look at verse number 20 through 23 tonight. The Bible said, and he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, he's not even talking to the people. He's talking to his disciples, those that he's handpicked, those that he's called to be fishers of men, those that he's invested in, and those that he's walking day in and day out with, those who've watched his example. He said, fellas, before you go down into the valley, you're gonna have to remember the reality of who you are and whose you are and what's really going on right now. Here's the thing tonight, any Christian who loses their focus on what is actually happening and what God is actually doing
doing in your life, you'll live a life of discouragement. You'll, you'll quit and you'll give up and you won't see it for what it is. But thanks be to God, God told us the reality long before we ever got into the valley. Here's the reality tonight, verses 20 through 23. Here's the reality tonight. You are blessed. You are blessed. <laughs> but if you read verses 20 through 23, it don't sound much like a blessing. Blessed be ye poor, verse 21. Blessed are ye that are hunger, are ye that hunger now. Blessed are ye that weep now. 22, blessed are ye when men shall hate you and they shall separate you from their company and shall reproach you and cast you out for your, for your, your name as evil for the son of man's sake. Well, that sounds like a blessed person. Somebody who's hungry. Somebody who's poor. Somebody who is weeping. Somebody who has been uh, reviled and hated. Well, you gotta read the whole verse tonight to understand that our, the reality is tonight, yes, in this world, we will have some hunger. In this world, we won't have the riches that everybody else has. In this world, yes, men will hate us in the revilest because of the Son of Man say, yes, tonight, we won't be popular. Not everybody's gonna like us, but in spite of that tonight, if I focus on what is not reality tonight, I'll forget how blessed I really am. Because tonight, my blessings do not come of this world only. No, my blessings come from another world tonight. My blessings are heavenly without, from a place where they do not corrupt and the moth does not eat them tonight. My blessing, every good and perfect gift tonight comes down from the Father of lights who in his no variableness or shadow of turning, I'm glad tonight I truly am a blessed man. Whether, listen, it doesn't take the talk tonight for me to realize that. How do you know you're blessed, brother, preacher? Because the Bible tells me I am. It didn't put any, uh, what's the word, any uh, uh, stipulations on it. He, these are statements. Blessed be ye poor. Blessed are ye that hunger. Blessed are ye that weep now. Notice tonight the description isn't what we is, but if you look at the second half of the, you'll realize how blessed you really are. Look at verse number 20. Blessed be ye poor. Oh, I tell you what, preacher, I'm struggling paycheck to paycheck. Preacher, I'm telling you, it's rough right now. Inflation's high. Biden's gone crazy. Gas is through the roof. It's Christmas time and all this good. Hey, let, let me stop right now tonight, amen? Let me help you out with something. This is my financial advice. Take it if you want to. Tonight, Christmas is not an emergency. Don't put yourself into debt tonight just trying to give your kids some gifts. <laughs> be a blessing to them, amen? Be an encouragement to them, but be smart with it, amen? And so we see here tonight, we, we look at this and, and it's easy to say, yes, preacher, I'm struggling financially. I'm, I'm having to be completely, uh, uh, everything's got to go to a certain place at a certain time. And, and boy, if I lose my job or if anything goes any higher, I don't know what I'm going to do. Listen, I know what that's like tonight. I, I'm living where you're living tonight. God didn't pluck me out of Hepzibah and, and put me in an imaginary place where things are cheaper than what they used to be. I'm living in the same world that you're living in tonight. And it's easy to see all that is wrong and how it affects me and to realize or to think, I'm really not that blessed. But once again, when you read the rest of the verse, you'll find out how blessed you are. Blessed be your poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. <laughs> oh, tonight, we've got a kingdom. We've been promised a place that is fairer than day. <laughs> I've got a mansion waiting on me tonight. And from a boy who's never lived in anything bigger than a four-bedroom house, 
I don't know what that's going to be like. Brother Billy, you ever lived in a mansion? <laughs> I'm looking forward to it, though. <laughs> I'm going to come. Y'all come, come check out my mansion. Amen. It's going to have 6-1 over the fireplace. The disciples were corn huskers. Amen. You really think that pretty? I don't know. But I'll try, amen. But tonight, I really, the, the kingdom of God is yours. Blessed are you that hunger now, and, and you, you shall be filled. Can I say there's going to come a day as a born-again Christian, you'll never know what it's like to want again. You'll never know what it's like to lack again. It, well, it won't be this side of eternity. But there is coming a day where everything you've ever needed to know, you'll know. And everything that you wanted to know, you'll know. And everything that you were missing or you felt like it was just not there where it's supposed to be, you'll be completely satisfied, completely filled. See, tonight, heaven is a place of complete filling where hell is a place of complete emptiness. No satisfaction. Go read that parable about Lazarus and the rich man. That rich man who had everything ends up in hell and can't even get a drop of water. Well, can you imagine what that's like? Well, how many glad tonight as a born-again Christian, you're not gonna know what that's like. You'll open up your eyes and turn it to himself. Well, I ain't never felt like this before. Completely satisfied and filled. Oh, yeah, you hunger now. Oh, you weep now. Boy, how many, how many times has sin broke your heart this week? It's your own sin, but you see it play out in front of us in our society, and it breaks your heart. You watch kid after young person after young person choose and go down the wrong road and make those mistakes, and you're thinking, you don't have to do that, and it breaks your heart. Well, I'm glad one day we're going to laugh. <laughs> oh, well, I can't wait for heaven. You're going, to get, you're going to sit down with all those who've gone home before. You're going to sit down with the Lord and you'll have a joy that you can't even explain. I, I, as a finite, I can't wrap my mind around heaven tonight. I don't, know what it's, I, I, I don't know what that's like because I enjoy a good laugh down here just for a moment later to be everything flipped upside down. But the reality is that I'm blessed because one day all my weeping shall turn into laughter. Verse number 22, blessed are you when men shall hate you and they shall separate you from their company. Oh, down here we are, we are put down. It's amazing. You can do whatever you want to do and say whatever you want to say as long as it doesn't come from the Bible. You can pray to whoever you, whoever you want to pray to, but you better not pray to, the, to Christ or the God of the Bible. And we, we come out with love. We come out with the gospel that can help somebody and change somebody's life. And oh, look at those bigots over there. Look at those old-fashioned, old this, old that, narrow-minded, all that stuff they call us. Down here, we are, we are reviled and hated for what we believe. But over there, we'll be rewarded. The Lord will say, thank you for standing for me. Thank you for living for me. Thank you for preaching for me. Thank you for raising your children right. Thank you for doing what I asked you to do. Truth of the matter is not, I'm blessed. I'm ble oh, not in this world's goods and not in this world's means. But when I go down into my valley, when I'm walking down from my mountaintop experience, I need to tell myself, like David encouraged himself, though I'm already blessed. Remember the reality tonight that you are already blessed. Hey, let me ask you tonight, have you forgotten how blessed you really are? 
how good God has really been to you. When you're coming down the mountain, one, remember the reality. Two, tonight, remember the warnings. Remember the warnings. Look at verse number 24 tonight. The Bible says, but woe unto you that are rich, for we have received, for you have received your consolation. Woe unto you that are full, for you shall hunger. Woe unto you that laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. Uh, it's and it's an, almost a complete contrast there. Verses 20, uh, 20 through 23 tonight, there's, blessed is the man. Verses 24 through 26, woe to the man. Woe. That's a word in your Bible that when you see it, you need to pay attention. That's a word in your Bible that carries a very, very significant heavy weight to it. It is one of those, what is fixing to be said is not a suggestion. It's not when you want to. It's not, hey, listen, if you choose to follow it, it's fine. It is, listen, you better follow, you better follow it now or, not, or else it's gonna be something that you don't wanna have. It's the same essence tonight. If you were riding a donkey and you seen it about to go over the cliff, you wouldn't say, giddy up. You'd say, whoa. Stop now before you go over the cliff. And Jesus said, fellas, as we're coming down the mountain, as we're leaving this wonderful mountaintop experience of great prayer and great communion with the Father, as we're heading down into the valley, Jesus said, there's some things I need to warn you about. There's some things that I, I need to make sure you understand not to get involved and in, not to follow after because if you do, your valley will swallow you up. It carries, that word woe carries the need of immediate obedience or prepare for great calamity or loss. Notice three things that'll turn your valley into a tragedy. Verse 24, when you focus on the wrong things. When you focus on the wrong things, look at verse number 24, but woe unto you that are rich, for you've received your consolation. Woe unto you that are rich. Well, he said, preacher, according to the U.S. government, I'm not rich. I don't fall in the right tax, the tax brackets. I don't fall in the right tax line. <laughs> I, I, for the longest, we're probably back underneath there now again with three kids. But for the longest, me and Miss Becky lived underneath the government's poverty line. But I can say I didn't feel in poverty. The Lord's taken care of us and helped us. But notice here tonight, focusing on the wrong things, but woe unto you that are rich, those who have the love of money. Those who think no matter what the problem is, money is my only answer. I just need more money. And when we come to that place in our life, what we're saying is, God, I don't need you anymore. I know you can do things in a supernatural way. I know you can do things that are far above what I could think or dream or what I could even conjure up in my own mind. But Lord, I just need more money. I need a substance. I need a thing to get me out of where I am. It's hard to find success in the valley. A lot of times valleys don't feel successful. They don't feel like a place of victory. If you're not careful, you'll focus on the wrong things, hoping those will bring you out of the valley. Those will bring you back up to the mountaintop. Let me ask you, how did them boys get to the mountaintop in the first place? How do those men, excuse me, how do those men get to the mountaintop in the first place? It was just following God. God said, hey, fellas, let's go up here and pray. It's in the original text. 
They got to the mountaintop just following the Lord. How'd they get in the valley? Just following the Lord. Let me help you out tonight. There ain't a thing that leads you to the mountaintop. Nor is there a thing that leads you into the valley. There is a God who says, if you'll follow me, I'll take you to the mountaintop. But I'll also take you down to the valley. And here's the thing tonight. He walked with them in both places. And the same is true in your life. Thankful tonight, yes, we have a God that can lead us to the mountaintop, but we have a God who will lead us in the valley. And David said that, yea, though I walk through the valley, the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. <laughs> it wasn't just like, Lord, I, I know you're here. He said, but Lord, I, I feel your comfort in my life. Your rod and your staff, it is a comfort in my life. We see here tonight that if we focus on the wrong things, our if we don't heed the warning of verse number 24, our valley will turn into a tragedy. Focus on the wrong things. Another way to turn your valley into a tragedy is fill up with the wrong stuff. Look at verse number 25. Woe unto you that are full. Woe unto you that are full. What do you mean, preacher? I'm not allowed to eat all my dinner anymore. Is that what the verse means? I've got to stop right before I feel satisfied because it says right there, I need a hunger. I can't be full. It's not what he's talking about. But rather he's talking about, here's the thing tonight, if me and you are so full of the world, we're so full of the world's ways, the world's mantras, the world's mind, the world's fixations, if we're so full of that stuff tonight, where is room for God? The Bible said, Jesus, hey, listen, fellas, y'all fixing to walk in the valley and you can't be full of the world's ways. I'm not trying to sound like a spiritual know-it-all. But tonight, those that I have known and those that I've had that, a relationship with that I've on a daily basis, who, who it was evident they didn't know the Lord. They didn't know all that was going on. And you see them go into a valley. There's been some that who haven't came out of it and didn't come out of it. They were so full of despair, so full of discouragement, so full of no hope. They said, it ain't worth it. I'm just going to stop here. Well, I'm glad tonight as a Christian, no matter how dark it gets, and I, it's, this is easier said than done, no doubt, but I got to remember the reality tonight that if I'm following him and he leads me into a valley, I'm there for a reason. I don't want to be so full of myself and so full of the world that I think it's my job to get me through the valley. I can't pull myself up from my bootstraps. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't have the ability to do that. I need to enter myself out of myself and say, Lord, fill me up so I can make it through this valley. Focusing on the wrong thing within your valley into a tragedy, being full of the wrong stuff will turn it into a tragedy. If you're already filled, how can God put in what he needs to put in? Another thing that you'll try to, if you'll try to do this, your value will turn it into a tragedy. Verse number 26, if you try to find your identity in others. Look at verse 26. Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you. So did their fathers to the false prophets. Here's the thing tonight. The, val the valley isn't a popular place to be. I, 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 I challenge you. <laughs> Go down the Christian book aisle at any store 
and look at the titles on, on each side of the row. Find Christian living. I, it's probably five to one, ten to one on books on how to get to the mountaintop as opposed to how to get through the valley. Valley's not a popular place to be. <laughs> if you're trying to build a health and wealth prosperity church, you better stay away from the valley because nobody likes going to the valley. Nobody stands up and says, all right, Lord, I've been waiting for it. I mean, the mountaintop's wonderful, Lord. I've enjoyed it, but I'm tired of it. Take me down to the valley. I never heard nobody say that. I never said that in my life. But we see it tonight. Why is that? Because we know the valley has a way of separating you from everybody else. Because as much as we love each other, listen, brother, I'll pray for you. But don't drag me down into your valley. I'm on the mountaintop. Don't bring me down. We don't, we don't always like to admit that. Sometimes, Lord, I mean, I'm doing good. Please don't mess my good thing up. And here, Jesus tells his disciples, hey, whoa, whoa, listen. You're not, I'm not sending you down here so you can be popular. I'm sending you down here so you can realize in me, you can walk through any valley. And with me, there ain't a valley that we can't, can't uh, uh, go through, uh, trans, not transgress, trespass, something like that together, transgress. I don't know the word tonight. But with God, there ain't, there ain't nowhere we can't walk or make it through tonight. He'll walk with us. Can I say, I may not always sign up for the valley. Through the grace of God, I sure am thankful for every one of them. Not because I necessarily learned anything new about myself. Because I know who I am. I know my failures. I know how far, how, how, how far short I fall. But I have learned this in my valley. I've learned a whole lot more about God. How faithful he is. How concerned he is. How much he cares for us. I was going through, dealing with some stuff now a few weeks ago. Different things like that. And it just had me just, ugh. You ever been there just, ugh. You ain't got a word to express your emotions. Ugh, just aggravated, upset, mad, tired of it. And a fellow preacher texts me. Texts me some verses and a little explanation after exactly what I needed. I texted him back. I said, how did you know I needed that? He said, I didn't. He said, I was just texting you back because you always text me. And I said, you don't understand how much that helped me. He said, what you don't understand is how many times the shoe's been on the other foot. Where God used you to help me. Well, aren't you glad tonight that God knows exactly what you need? Exactly when you need it. <laughs> he can walk right into your valley and say, hey, I'm still here. I'm still here. Well, I've had some valleys in some different places. Had some valleys in a hospital room. God knew where we were. Had some valleys riding down the road. God knew where I was. I've had some valleys just in life. <laughs> Boy, you ever got tore up at work? <laughs> I have. Let me explain this first. <laughs> I just realized my vernacular really wasn't clear. <laughs> what I'm talking about is the Lord never helped you when he was at work. <laughs> oh, 
in there just sanding away, tears rolling down my cheeks. The goodness of God. Well, I'm glad God knows where we are in the valley. <laughs> and, glad, and God said, hey, it ain't about making a bunch of buddies in the valley. It's about walking with me. Woe unto them when everybody likes you and speaks well of you. That's what they did for the false prophets. Let me ask you this evening, are you, are you allowing the wrong outlook to rob you of the real value of your valley tonight? You said before we get in the valley, y'all need to remember the reality. You said you need to remember some warning. Whoa, slow down. But notice number three tonight, and I'll be done. Remember your reach. Remember your reach. Verse number 17 the Bible says, and they came down with them and they stood in the plain. Remember, he stopped right there on the plateau. And so to try my best to describe this to you, they're coming down the mountain. They've come to this flat place. The valley's down here. Jesus and his disciples are right here. They look out. And they realize there's already people in the valley. There's already people that are where they're headed to. And to be honest, if they stopped and did a real assessment, those people were in a far worse condition than they were. How do you know that? Well, look at verse number 17. And he came down with them and stood in the plain in the company of his disciples and a great multitude of people out of all of Judea in Jerusalem from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, which came, near, came to hear him to be healed of their... They was all in one way or some kind of form or fashion, literally, physically in the same valley. They all needed the same solution. They said, we need Jesus. We need the Lord Verse number 18, and they vexed, they were vexed with unclean spirits and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him for there went virtue out of him and healed them all. They could have looked out and seen, one, there's already people in the valley. Some of them had diseases. Some of them had medical issues they could not solve themselves. Some of them had devils. The Bible said they were vexed with unclean spirits. At devils that were tormenting them and bothering them. That word vexed tonight, I looked it up, it means to be mobbed. It, it means to be almost in the sense that you're attacked and troubled from every side and you don't see the escape. <coughs> Excuse me tonight. But you realize tonight when we walk into that valley, when there's already people there, but you gotta realize that when we walk in coming down from the mountaintop, we give them hope. How do you know, preacher? Because we're coming from the mountain top. And that tells them that the valley isn't forever. That if they'll just walk with the Lord, they too can make it to a mountaintop. That there is another side to every valley. It brings them hope, but watch this, it also brings them healing. How? Through the Lord. <laughs> walk over to them and say, listen, I understand you're in a far worse condition than I am. But Jesus helped me. And Jesus walked with me and Jesus has, has healed me and done only that he can do it. If he can do it for me, he can do it for you. Can I say tonight, sometimes God will put you in the valley just so you'll run into somebody else who needs to know there is a way out of the valley. There is hope in their valley. There is light at the end of the tunnel. There is hope for their condition and it's not that necessarily you grabbing hands with them and you fixing all the problems. There's some problems y'all got I can't fix. And there's some problems tonight that I got that none of y'all can fix. But every problem we've got tonight, God can fix. And tonight when we walk down into the valley, we need to remember that there's some that have been there in there a lot longer than we have. 
And they're probably on the brink of giving up and giving out and just quitting. We need to go find them and say, listen, I just came from the mountaintop with God. And yes, I'm in the valley with you. But may I remind you, we are not in this valley alone. One, we have each other. But more than that, we have the Lord. And he can help us walk through the valley. You can bring them healing. How? Through the Lord. May I ask you, who did Jesus help? That everybody. <laughs> How do you know? It's what it said. He healed them, some of them. He healed a few of them in verse number 19. He healed them all. How many are glad tonight that Jesus is willing to walk down into your valley? Right now, you might be on the mountaintop. Newlyweds, you're on the mountaintop. Young people, you might be on the mountaintop. Middle-aged people, everything might be all right right now. Well-seasoned people tonight. You say, it's pretty good right now, preacher. We're enjoying the retired life. Sooner or later, you're going to have to walk down into the valley. And you're going to need these reminders. Remember the reality. You're already blessed. Whether you're on the mountaintop or in the valley. Or somewhere in between. You remember the warnings that when you get down in there, there's only one you need to trust. There's only one you need to lean on. When you get down in there, you need to go find somebody and say, listen, I know the way out of here. And through the Lord Jesus Christ tonight. I'm be glad tonight that God could have pushed us down into the valley and said, y'all figure it out. He said, no, I'm fixing to walk down there with you. Right before we get in there, let me give you some reminders. Let me give you some things to remember so you can step back and say, I know why God has put me in this valley. He didn't do it to put me, but rather he's done it so I can learn something more and greater about him tonight. It's all standing out, every head bowed, every eye closed.